0: In 1995, no record company was willing to take a chance on 24-year-old Sean Corey Carter, known to the rest of the world as Jay-Z. He resorted to selling his own CDs out of the back of his car, before striking upon an idea with his friends Damon Dash and Kareem Burke. If no one is willing to give me a record deal... Why don't we just start our own record label? Rockefeller Records was formed, and within four years they had established a young and talented roster of artists under the umbrella of Jay-Z's influence. Artists such as DJ Clue, Beanie Siegel and Memphis Bleak made their debuts for Rockefeller and the foundations were laid for a compilation album featuring these new and -and up-and-coming rappers. While marketed as a Jay-Z solo album, the dynasty, Rock La Familia, was intended to be a showcase for Rockefeller artists and push them to the next echelon of superstardom. Ironically, it did the opposite. It failed to help the careers of the artists featured on the album at all, and names like Beanie Siegel and Memphis Bleak barely register with most hip-hop fans today. On the dynasty, Jay-Z blusters and swaggers his way past his label mates, drawing a line in the sand and making it clear to anyone who listens that he is the one and only true rap superstar at Rockefeller Records. And if you listen closely to the beats over which Jay-Z is staking this claim, you can hear the future of hip-hop echoing back at you. Rockefeller decided to go with relatively unknown producers to craft the sound of the album, and as it would turn out, these producers, names such as Just Blaze, Kanye West, and Pharrell Williams would define the next decade of mainstream hip-hop and beyond. The Dynasty, Rock La Familia, released on the 31st of October 2000 and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, going two times platinum in the US and receiving rave reviews. Which is why it's no surprise that hardly anyone ever seems to mention Bizarre, the double album released by Insane Clown Posse the very same day to horrible reviews. Just as a note, we're only doing one of these two hour-long Insane Clown Posse albums. We could only torture ourselves for so long. So whether you're a Jigga fan or a Juggalo, you're listening to The Right Show. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Listening to the When Albums Collide podcast, as with you on the show, joined as ever by my co-host Pedro Duran. Pedro, what's cracking?
1: Not much, man. Just um, living this phase four quarantine, isolation, corona life, man. Going to bed early because the state has mandated it and not able to leave my house. So, uh, but other than that, it's good.
0: We're doing albums today that I am... Um, very unfamiliar with so i thought we might need to bring on a little bit of extra help uh who have we decided to bring on today pedro
1: this is a good friend from my hometown we used to do sports together wrestling family friends with his whole family and everything this dude has helped me a lot in life i don't know if he ever remembers but um there was even a time that i was getting chased down by some rednecks in a car these dudes came out to jump me or whatever and um this dude came out and just started walloping on these on these motherfuckers and helped me out when I was getting jumped. That was something I always appreciated him. But even more so, he is the guy that introduced me to Jay-Z uh, when he recommended that I listen to the Blueprint album. My friend, your friend, Carlos Santiago. Carlos, say what's up. Hey, guys, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me on the show.
2: <laughs> hey, um, Pedro, I just wanted to start off by uh, that. I remember that, you know, I, I remember going to to work that day. And I I realized that there was two some uh, crazy cars in front of me just so happened that it was you actually driving in front of me. But you were only reacting to another car kind of swerving, trying to get you to, you know, get off the road. Yeah. And um, so they ended up trying to, to trying to jump you. But I I followed you guys over there and I knew something was wrong. I, I did actually forget about that that was a long time ago
1: yeah yeah it was crazy yeah it was just um because it was just one of those great times it was just like fuck i could have been really messed up you know what i mean you see stories online of like people getting jumped and just even if they're being pushed or just killed or whatever just because they knocked their head or something like that i think about i just thought about that and then also of course of course, the good times we were on the wrestling team um for a long time together and stuff so um um winning champions and championships and um traveling for the the team and stuff like that and um yeah it's all it's all good in the all good in the hood as we say in three two one so yeah this is uh c los and i wanted to bring him on and um uh, we're gonna talk some shit today man
0: I mean, I'm really glad that it was just rednecks chasing you uh, and not juggalos that were chasing you around, (laughs) because that would have been really scary. Carlos, today we're doing uh, Jay-Z, sort of a a compilation album, Rockefeller compilation album, and we're doing some insane clown posse. What is your experience with Jay-Z, and what is your experience with ICP?
2: So I'll just start off with ICP. Actually, I don't have any experience with them at all, other than... I remember them getting into the uh, music scene or, I guess, media whenever I would listen to Eminem albums. So very Growing up, I would uh, listen to a lot of rap and my dad actually had a lot of LL Cool J albums and what have you. And that's how it kind of got me into it. But uh, with ICP, I actually have little to zero experience with them. Now with Jay-Z, I started listening to him uh, the moment that I could, you know, get my hands on anything. And at that time, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. And I, I just remember that the, uh, the Jay-Z albums in school took that I, that my friends had them. I, I, tried to get them from them and save up my my lunch money and everything like that and i still wasn't able to get them so what i ended up doing i remember stealing pokemon cards all the time and ended up trading for some jay-z albums. so that's uh that's actually how i got my first jay-z
1: album
0: pedro i didn't know we were getting a convicted felon stealing charizard cards <laughs> yeah. Z, and albums. that's
1: real because like pokemon cards back in the day was uh it was currency you know so it was legit money
2: it really was and that's how i got my first jay-z album uh volume three Um, I was hooked. That was when Big Pimpin' was on there. And uh, the next one, of course, The the Dynasty was the next one that was released somewhere around uh, 2000. You know, I went to Best Buy right away. And at that time, that's when albums were only released on Tuesdays. So you already knew ahead of time that's, you know, what albums were going to be dropping ahead of time. And uh, I just remember going on the first day and going and uh, buying it and bringing it home and listening to it.
0: Uh, Pedro, what about your experience with uh, the Juggalos and your experience with the Jigga Man?
1: Yeah, with uh, ICP. I just remember this had to be the time when this uh, the Sega Dreamcast came out, because I remember being at somebody's house and um, they had a Dreamcast and I was like, oh, shit, I want to play that so bad. And um, I was waiting for my turn. And the kid whose house it belonged to or whatever was going on, he was showing off his his personal stuff. And he had a, a poster for an ICP album. I think it was the Jekyll Brothers. And he was going on talking about it. And I was like, what's ICP? And he was he just lit up and just telling me about the mythology of insane clown posse and like this album means this and in the second album they're actually telling a story about this and immediately i was like you know what this is too much mythology for a band you know what i mean i was just like "I i don't think i'm into this because this seems like too much homework just to keep up with them And uh, from that point, I was like, I'm not really going to delve into the world of Insane Clown Posse. And then this past weekend was um, majority of my Insane Clown Posse uh, history. And then as far as uh, Jay-Z goes, Carlos will remember this, but we used to have uh, kind of breaks before we had our wrestling matches. And I think something happened where Carlos, I think he forgot his singlet or his uniform at his house. So we went over to his house to pick it up and he was always talking about Jay-Z. And at that time, I wasn't really feeling Jay-Z. He was like, no, you really got to listen to this dude. He's really good. He introduced me. He was just like, you should listen to uh, the blueprint. I went home and probably downloaded it from Napster and... From then on, it was it was on from there. And I've been a a fan of Jay-Z ever since. So thank you for that. See, loves.
2: Hey, no problem. You really have the greatest memory because now I remember um, because I didn't know about the source and I didn't know about, uh, you know, the ratings and everything. And I remember when you had first listened to it, it, immediately you were like, dude, that was amazing. I loved it. And you're like that. That thing got five mics. This the album got five mics. Yeah. Like, no album gets ever gets five mics or anything like that from the source. And, and that was a really hard, hard thing to get.
0: We have to dive into the album, but for people who don't know who the insane clown posse are, just briefly, they're an American hip hop duo composed of Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, formed in 1989 in Detroit. Well known for their hardcore hip-hop known as Horrorcore and their elaborate live performances. And as Pedro mentioned, this weird mythology about the Dark Carnival, which is a metaphoric limbo in which the lives of the dead are judged by one of several entities. Oh boy, I can't wait to get into it. We are comparing uh, the Dynasty with Bizarre. So the backstory to this Bizarre album. August 20th, 1999, on an episode of The Howard Stern Show... Insane Clown Posse clashed with a fellow guest, Sharon Osbourne, when she bet Violent J $50,000. <laughs> I will bet them Yes. $50,000 Okay, now you're that getting the next record that they release doesn't even sell 200,000 units. Should uh, we do that? And that they get yeah. dropped by their record And they
2: will get dropped by After
0: their record they- Insane Clown Posse, because of the way they look, because of the way they sound, you know, you guys listen to the album Jesus Christ. Because of all of that, they have often been treated with disrespect, even though they have a very strong cult following. And I do use the word cult. They went right after this album was released. It was released Halloween 2000, as was the Jay-Z album. They both released on the exact same day. ICP go to their record label's office in New York, um, and they got made fun of by the employees there. Like, they were walking down the hallway, and all the employees were like, what is this? Halloween? Get a job, losers. Which is, that's, like, you're on the label. You're one of their clients. And Violent J recalls, quote, These guys were jerks. At Island and Def Jam, you have all these pictures on the wall of Jay-Z and the Cranberries. When they know we're coming, they tape a picture of us to the wall. I hate my record company. Right off the bat, there is a huge difference between the way they treat Jay-Z on this record label and how do they treat ICP. And I always think well, maybe if you sold as many records as Jay-Z, they'd be putting your photo up. Both of these albums came out the exact same day. One of them debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 with half a million copies sold and another one didn't. You can probably guess which was which. Let's get into it with the track-by-track breakdown, guys. of the album start with a song called intro so let's compare them both um right off the bat you got the intro to the dynasty uh what is your you, you put this album on what are you feeling what are your emotions i would have
2: to say that the intro was the greatest intro that i've ever heard of <laughs> wow. any rap album ever I, I seriously i just remember listening to it and i was just so like into it i um i have another friend he and he doesn't even like jay-z at all and he was like that is incredible i just remember just being you know he just starts with the story and everything like that and just the way the, the beat would play and it was just so mesmerizing to anything that i had ever heard personally from jay-z and at that time my my rap experience wasn't much other than jay-z though either anyway so once i would just start talking to it with with other people and then just looking back at it um just the other day i was listening to the album and listen to the intro though as well and i was just still blown away with it all
0: over again it is interesting because with this intro and I guess with a lot of uh, rappers intros there's a supreme confidence at the start they got the beat just playing for like the first minute the beats just playing and they're just not rapping they're just saying words but because they're so confident they can sort of pull it off like if I just put a beat underneath us talking now and you just say things like oh Judd Boaz Pedro Duran Carlos Santiago we're doing it live walk yeah. with us when albums collide I'm drinking coffee low fat milk <laughs> walk with us i love that line by the way when he's come on walk with us yeah you're going on a journey with jay-z he's taking you with him
1: yeah yeah um i'm gonna have to agree with Carlos, man this is one of the sickest intros ever in, in rap and particularly with jay-z just because i mean even the beat is so cinematic it's produced by just blaze and if anyone doesn't know just blaze is one of the top tier uh, hip-hop producers he's produced for a bunch of people his beats tend to be uh, of this style very loud big a lot of horns just just massive it's just the way that jay is coming on on the track and and it is that that confidence but i think that's a big testament to who jay z is he's really laid back and calm but he has such a confidence about himself to the point that i mean he's been been criticized as being arrogant but he's just he just knows who he is and he's just confident in himself as to what he's doing
0: so it certainly sets the tone of what you can expect from the album there's another song called intro on the icp album called bizarre and it's this spoken word intro about clouds taking over the country and clowns coming out of the sewers and overtaking the streets of america what did you guys think about this did you like it
2: I, I thought it really, I mean, I think they got their point across with having the intro <laughs> with the clowns taking over America and everything like that. And uh, I was just I was just like, is anything happening right now? I mean, and then I just realized it was just more the uh, the talking and everything like that. And it was basically just setting the tone for how
0: everybody else is thinking. You just kind of got to get ready for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I get it. I, I, I get what you're saying. There's this, it's sort of dark, ominous, foreboding. It ends on a very, like, a somber sort of note. Pierces this calm. And then the next song comes in, the opening of Bizarre, the title track. And it's some sort of off-cut bassline riff that they didn't use for Seinfeld, they just left on the cutting room floor. And... There are, like, sound effects all through this song. I felt like I had taken too much Adderall. This song was the weird... I was not expecting this song at all. I, I didn't like it, but I will say this. I actually found it kind of fun, despite not liking it. You know what it reminded me of? This Bizarre song? You know those uh, radio shock jocks? Like, you're listening to 96.9 with Krusty and the Gooch, and then they have, like, a toilet sound effect <laughs> or something? Yeah. Stick around for some Cardi B, rare and I I was joking that like I typed that down in my notes like oh it's funny like you know shock jocks toilet sound effect and then they literally play a sound effect of them flushing a toilet in the middle of the song hold up a minute damn couldn't wait man now I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, like I said, this is the first time I've actually listened to an ICP album. So I had my um, uh, prejudices and my expectations as to what is going to be on this thing. And as we go further in the album, they do come true. I listened to this and I was like, okay, I got what this is. This is der- definitely a, a juggalo anthem. I can't believe I'm saying that. A juggalo anthem with that call and response hook you know, where there's like, anybody here, everybody here, we got the gear, figgle right here, you know, like, I can imagine this is a song that they made for the fans to just be, you know, shouting out at the concert or something like that. What you were mentioning, uh, Judd, about that bet they had with Sharon Osbourne makes sense that... They probably planned it like this is the album we're taking over America this is gonna be the big one yeah
2: I, I definitely um, don't think it was for me either <laughs> um, I just have to admit it was my first time listening to anything from ICP and stuff like that Just as I was listening to the song I, I noticed that it was a whole lot different than anything I had ever listened to It's just definitely a lot darker and um, I guess more violent in a lot more a lot more ways than you know anyone would ever think about. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was rap. It was just talking about doing some really foul
0: things <laughs> <laughs> that I've never heard before. It's like shock value. Like, you remember when it was very in vogue in the 2000s, like, gornography movies? Like, the Saw movies, you know, or Hostel, or The Hills Have Eyes, where, well, we you know, we don't have good actors, and we can't really afford good directors, so let's just gross out the audience more and more, and that will get people in, you know, into the cinema. I feel like that's what they were trying to, like... We're actually not that good musicians. Why don't we just rap about some really disgusting things and it will do the heavy lifting for us?
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big part of their appeal. You know, like um, this... I mean, ICP, I think, are 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 for people who, ironically, they would say, I don't like rap music because they just don't like uh, someone like Jay-Z or um, LL Cool J and what they got going on. But ICP is rapping. They're just rapping about crazy, horrorcore type of shit, right? So when they say things like, hey, does anyone ever fuck the fat bitch? They're doing it so ironically that their fans are probably super into it. Um, and I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head there. there it's the shock value is doing all the he- heavy lifting there.
0: I mean, we talk about disgusting songs. The next one on the track listing, Cherry Pie. This is a revolting song to listen to. Some of the lyrics <laughs> in this are atrocious. Quote, I need a bitch, an alcoholic, I need a bitch pukin' bent over my toilet. Or, one of the worst lyrics, probably in the history of rap, I need a woman to let me hit it in the bushes raw at the herpes clinic. I was like, guys, come on, like... Is it any wonder that MTV refused to play their music on any of their television programs? I mean, what out-of-touch executive in a suit is prohibiting this sort of poetry from going out to the youth of America?
2: (laughs) It it just starts off with, uh, I need a bitch who pussy (laughs) (laughs) popping." I need a
0: bitch. Correct. Yeah, correct.
2: When he's like, "I need a bit fellatio. I'm like, "Oh, oh okay, all right, we, we get, we get what you want, man. I, I, I'm, I hear you." <laughs> so that that definitely caught me. They're just sticking with the theme of, you know, how uh, grotesque they can get, and. Again, like I just never heard anybody, you know, rap like this ever. The and the only person that had that was, that really caught me off guard was, was Eminem when you know they're murdering his uh, his wife and stuff like that and, and on the album, which I was like, yo, what is this? I had to turn it off. It was it was terrible. I
0: will tell you what, they're both from Detroit. ICP. Eminem. There's something in the water up there, man. I'm telling you, there's something in that Michigan water.
1: Yeah, there has to be, because the thing about it, because as, as Carlos was saying, Bizarre, who's a member of D12, raps in this style. Eminem, you know, when he does his Slim Shady kind of thing, raps in this style. So I wonder if there's something in Detroit where it's just so – well, you know what it is? It, it's, it's probably that shitty water from Flint, Michigan is being transported into Detroit and just uh, <laughs> destroying everybody's mind, man, because this shit is kind of crazy because you never hear this stuff coming out of – You know, New York, L.A., we did an episode with Nelly. Like, you never hear it coming out of St. Louis, so it has to be something going on in Michigan. But in regards to the song, you know, I thought it was a poor attempt at, like, a two live crew song because I can see two live crew doing a song like this, you know, like, oh, me so horny, oh, me so horny, that type of stuff. Even kind of starts off with that introduction. The sample in the beginning of Cherry Pie could have been lifted from, like, a porn movie.
2: Please be gentle. Oh. Oh, you
1: prick. Ah! i mean that's very much like a two live crew kind of kind of thing but what is crazy is that kind of style was popular in 1989 when you know two live crew was at its peak this album comes out at the turn of the millennium so it's it's weird that they're still hearkening back to that type of style uh, standout lines violent j says i need a bitch in a cheap hotel, so I don't know which one to blame for the smell. Right after that,
2: you know, and I and I think there's some some something that happened uh, years ago, or just maybe because they're from the same area. But right after that, a bitch who suck on, on dick like Eminem, Mama, like he he went straight into Eminem.
0: So there was actually a brief feud because they're all from the same area. And as it turned out, you know, Kid Rock, Eminem, some of the people on this bizarre album, also like Esham, they're all from Detroit doing doing club shows. And one night, Insane Clan Posse go to a, a club, and Eminem is out the front handing out flyers for his his show. On the flyers, it says, Kid Rock? Question mark, ICP? Question mark, they might be here. And they go up to Eminem. They're like, what the hell, man? Like, We're not going to be on the show. Why are, you, why are you doing this? And he says, well, you might be at the show, so that's why I put your name on there. And they're like, this kid is an absolute scumbag. Like, He's lying to people, saying that we're going to be at his shows. As it turns out, you know Eminem would be wildly successful, so something about his marketing was working. Change the Game is the next song, and I'm going to use this as a platform to talk about a lot of the album, because this isn't a Jay-Z album. Don't get it twisted. This is not a Jay-Z album. This is a Rockefeller dynasty album. Beanie Siegel and Memphis Bleak share a lot of heavy lifting on this album. I mean, Beanie's on like eight tracks on this album. Memphis is on just as many who are these people? As we you know, we look in, in hindsight, it's been 20 years since this was released. They're not famous anymore, guys. So what happened to them? Who are they?
2: Yeah, Beanie Siegel, he never re- uh, really hit it big. He was a lot better lyricist than Memphis Bleak ever was. Yeah. Uh, Beanie Siegel is actually from uh, Philly and he actually split off and actually tried to form his own group back when there was uh, Nelly. He had his own group and Eminem, he had, had his own group and Jay-Z, of course, he had. Uh, the, the Dynasty, Rock La Familia, and uh, with eventually turning into Rock Nation because they broke off a of Def Jam. But uh, Memphis Bleak never hit it big. He had a, a few albums though as well. And there was actually a, a breakup way, way, way later between uh, Beanie Siegel and Jay-Z. But uh, these guys, I just noticed them on the albums just over the years. But then I know that Jay-Z wanted to have an album to introduce that, hey, this is, this is my crew. And actually, um, there's one artist that's actually not listed on there separately, but she's on there whenever it talks about the dynasty. So in the track listing, whenever it says the dynasty, there's one more artist on there. Her name's Emile. And I believe that I, I could be wrong, but I believe that Jay-Z and Emil dated there for a little bit. So he'll mention a And that's he's talking about that that same artist there. So on just throughout the entire album, this is a, a formal introduction to all the members of Rock La Familia.
0: I felt like as you went through the album, you got Streets is talking, and then, you know, they'll introduce a few more people, then stick to the script. And there's all these songs going through, and I felt like the gulf of talent was pretty clear. Even at this point, like, you know, they're, they're okay, they could hold their own, but I just wanted to hear more Jay-Z, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yes, definitely for, for sure. Yeah, I think that's what it started out. Like this album was supposed to be a compilation album um and to show off the new uh Rockefeller roster, but as Jay-Z you know, became more apparent on the album. I think they just pushed it as a Jay Z album, and it's true. I mean, Jay Z is he is a star, so you definitely want to hear more from him and what he has to say. But um, I um, I agree with Carlos. Like Beanie Siegel is dope when he's on track. He definitely holds his own, but unfortunately, he just never um had that. That launch pad to step out of the shadows of Jay Z, which is a reason why I think Memphis Bleak as well could never step out of the shadows as well, because Jay Z was just at this point a hip hop icon that it was just so difficult. And if you watch interviews with Memphis or something like that, I can see the annoyance in his face because they'll just be like, oh, and so. Jay-Z. What is Jay-Z up to? And it's just like, okay, man. It's like um, the little brother getting questioned about his more famous big brother all the time.
0: Well, that's the thing. If if your big brother is much, much more talented than you, what are you expecting going into that interview? Getting to the big single on the Dynasty, I Just Wanna Love You, one of the all-time great beats, I would say, by the Neptunes, Pharrell Williams, On The Hook, lead single. And This song, there's something about the, I don't, I can't explain it. I can't articulate it. But there's something about this beat, the way the Neptunes did this beat that would define hip hop beats for like the next five years. Like this, this beat is what hip hop sounds like in this era.
1: Yeah. I mean, this song is massive and I think it's one of the best Jay-Z tracks as far as a party starter and stuff like that. As you were saying, Jed, it's a fine hip hop, but also I just think pop and music because the Neptunes went on to produce like Britney Spears. Um, you know, I'm a Slave for You. They went on to produce Justin Timberlake. Um, they produced so many people during this era because of that sound. It was kind of this like futuristic, planetary, spaced out sound. And I mean, I mean, even Jay-Z references it in the song. Not just
2: the song, actually the video though itself. It was just so, so fun. And actually there is a, a movie star um, that passed away, John Witherspoon. Yeah, and He was in, you know, a um, bunch of shows and, and, and movies and everything like that. He's he's hilarious. And at the time I was a big fan of the Wayans brothers and he was actually the dad in the show and his name was Pops and he was actually featured in the, in the music video. The, this song was the first time I ever heard of Pharrell. And I, I just remember, you know, Mystical and uh, the song Shake Your Ass. And that's mm. one of the first times I, I ever remember recognizing Pharrell. Um, but... When this song came out, I had no idea. I just knew that it was it was super catchy. Uh, um, I, I loved it immediately and it was it was the first video that I just remember I could not stop watching again and again and again.
0: Yeah, hell of a song. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we had to listen to some insane clown Posse as well. Uh, because the song's like questions. you know I'm gonna be brief with it. I'm gonna be nicely brief with it. He's asking why? why? every time I choke a friend's neck, he don't come back. Why? Why? Every time I stab my eyes with an ice pick, I can't see shit. Why? Um, It's not quite the Backstreet Boys tell me why, but it is (laughs) certainly something different. But then Mr. Happy... Now, I'm going to stick my neck out here for the next song and say that these guys, if they put their mind to it, can rap. They are able to rap. They can flow over beats adequately. There's a good cadence to their voices. They have like a sort of uh, rough... Nature to their voice. I'm like, yeah, these guys can rap. But holy shit, they rap about the most cringeworthy stuff I've ever heard of in my life. This one is about him being a serial killer or something. There's this segment where he says,
1: I love to kill. Wait a minute, y'all. I gotta take
0: my pill. Xanoff's. It works. I'm down to only three people a day. it's so corny it's so corny. even if I was 11 years old I'd be like oh it's kind of lame
2: I just think they were so different that um it's definitely not for me personally but I I could honestly see how there could be a lot of fans of their music because they're just so so different and and so far out there to where people there's a lot of people that would be attracted to their music with all the, the sound effects and you know you know, as crazy as it sounds, they're they're talking about, you know, killing this and killing that and, and stuff like that. So I, I was just <laughs> definitely uh, shocked by it, but also entertained by it. Strangely, though, as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big thing. It, you, It's almost it's cringy, but you are entertained because the shit they say is just so out there. And with this song, I think this is the first song on the album where they really start playing up that crazy clown persona. Um, you know, they'll say things like, I don't use a chainsaw or a butcher knife. That's so 90s. Get it right. I never mutilate or chop my loves. All I need is a pair of gloves. It's funny. We were talking about their beef with Eminem. Now, ironically, this type of song reminds me of, like, that first Slim Shady LP that came out in 1999. This type of vibe where it's like, I, I you know, I murdered my parents and I killed my wife and I take a knife and da-da-da-da-da, this type of thing. So I can understand after that initial interaction they had with each other outside the club and if they go back and forth and start listening to each other's music they might start getting offended because they're like oh they're copying my style or he's copying my style or and things like that right, so, um, right. probably added a little more fuel to the fire
0: uh we have to take a pause for the cause we will be back with more when albums collide
2: What's up guys? It's Ruby here. You can check out my brand new single, Spell, along with all my other tracks right now on Spotify or wherever you get your music.
0: back on the podcast we're joined by special guest carlos santiago we're talking the dynasty rock la familia and icp's bizarre the next song radio stars it's not even really a song is it <laughs> it's more of a statement really it's yeah. more of an artistic statement uh, a mission statement perhaps so this song radio stars is mocking popular music genres that are on the radio it's like a parody song such as like crunk rap and pop punk and boy bands during the song, there's this weird, definitely not British guy narrating it. State of that accent, by the way. Jesus. But each verse is like a parody of a genre, and it's one of the worst songs I've heard on the podcast so far. It's so bad because they're doing it jokingly, making fun of all these other genres, but even if you're doing something ironically, that doesn't mean it's pleasant to listen to, if that makes sense. And what was interesting, what was really interesting to me, is when they did like a bad parody of a genre like at the end they do a boy band parody and it's like a sparse beat and i was thinking man this sounds better than your actual music why don't you just do the parody music the stuff you're making fun of sounds better this is a horrible i didn't like it at all but maybe you guys did what did you guys think of radio no
1: no i didn't like it at all either i mean i i knew what they were going for and it's fine they're they're definitely making a statement but i think the narrator at the end he has a bit after
0: years of endless attempts OICP received almost no radio play. play. Finally, the two dim-witted idiots decided to stay with the
2: wicked shit for life. And
1: I was just like, you know what? a lot of truth is said in jest there so uh, yeah, super interesting.
2: I, I actually didn't mind it as much because it was the first song that I had heard that wasn't talking about you know, what they were talking about before it was making fun of, you know, the other songs and everything like that. And and there was something in here talking about Buddy Holly. And I remember Weezer was, was, bigger i guess so what ben you what you
0: liked about it is it reminded you of a better band because they referenced yes yeah, yeah, yes yes
2: i was like okay we're getting somewhere and then i was like okay we're really
0: not getting anywhere <laughs> uh let's move back to the dynasty this can't be life now this song featuring a very young producer by the name of how do you pronounce this guys is it kanye west is that how you pronounce it
1: yeah i've never heard of him before
0: no, uh, obviously, Kanye actually detailed the making of this beat in one of his own songs, Last Call, the last song of College Dropout. I made this one beat while I spit up this Harold Melvin sample. I played it for hip over the phone. He's like, oh, yo, that shit is crazy.
2: Jay might want it for this compilation I album. Mean, he's doing called the Dynasty.
0: And, you know, Jay-Z does his verse on the beat, and he's like, oh, I was really more expecting, like, a the braggadocious, arrogant Jay-Z. I wasn't expecting, like, this introspective Jay-Z. And Jay-Z's like, what do you think, man? Do you like it? And Kanye's like, um, yeah, man, I, I totally like it. Because <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't say that he didn't like it. Yeah, it's of Jay-Z, course. right? Kanye marks this as the start of his style and the start of the soul, quote unquote, sound. Not only do I love the the beat and the the sample and everything, this is one of the best guest verses on an album of all time.
1: Yeah, Scarface really uh shines uh on this album because uh, oh excuse me, on this track because um he gets really deep, like he literally says in the song, you know, I was on my way to the studio and a friend of his passed away and basically he just goes in and um and and, and details what happened.
0: Yeah, the, the story Jay-Z recounts in his book Decoded of Scarface was just their playing pool, Jay-Z, Beanie, the engineer... And he's about to walk into the studio because they agreed to do this song. And he's probably just going to rap about whatever, right? Like bling or cars or crime. He gets a phone call from one of his friends telling him that one of their mutual friends uh, had just lost his kids in a fire. And so Scarface, he's like really quiet for a second. And he just went off alone to compose a new verse. And Jay-Z's like, we can come back. Like, we don't have to record today. Like, we it's fine. I understand. It's very emotional. You don't have to rap today, man. And he's like, no, I want to do it. He comes back after like a few minutes spits the verse one take just does this verse one take, and it's one of the best verses of all time
1: yeah it's crazy that's yeah, super
2: powerful I, I just scarface his, his his whole delivery how his his fluidity and how uh calm and just the way he was sounding over it you know he wasn't excited as he's rapping because it's just a very very detailed and you know hard to talk about um Uh, information and everything like that so it was just definitely you know different and it was a nice closing to uh to to the track
0: there are emotional rap songs and hip-hop songs that i enjoy hey mama by kanye west i think is like a really emotional song and i really like it or a lot of confessional rap that i that i enjoy but you always go in with the knowledge that this is probably their fourth or fifth take and they've written about it and you know it's it's something they've done This is so raw, and if we're to believe what we're being told, and I have no reason not to, this was done in one take right after he got this information that his friend's kids had just died. You can hear the emotion in his voice. I really think you can hear that he is trying not to well up a little bit and trying not to think about it as he raps.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's super dope, Um, and I think that's why he outshines uh, the other uh, Ajay and everyone else on the track, just because... um... It's just it's just uh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's just something about it, man. It's just he's, he's so emotive in, this, in the track that you, you you hear it through the music.
2: Yeah, I just remember towards the end he's talking about, you know, their names and everything. He says, my seeds, dog, got to teach him that before I leave, dog. I mean, you, you you think about, you know, children and your own. Well, I can speak about my, my own and I want to teach him everything I know. So that that one was uh, very touching for me, and it definitely hit it on, on the head right there because you know there's not anything in life that I don't want to show them or anything like that, or you know just guide them in the right way, and so they can be uh, the best human beings as possible, you know.
0: And so it's almost a shame that we go from this song to the next song, which I actually didn't like that much. Get your right was it? Get your mind right, mommy.
2: I wasn't crazy about it either. Well,
0: and you know why I don't like it? I really don't know how to feel about Snoop Dogg. All right, like. He has some great songs, all-time classic songs, right? And is probably a really fun guy. But he will do literally anything for money. He will be on any song for the right price. Carlos, you don't know this, but in Australia, there's this new food delivery service called Menu Log. Dude, I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> it's just popped up, and they, got, they hired Snoop Dogg to do their ads and he does a rap. I see bull, see bull, see me. say, menu it is one of the worst things that has ever happened to hip-hop.
1: Yeah, it is. Not even that, but, like, there's posters of him all over the city, and it's for Menu Log. and it's, like... I was walking around the other day, and I was like, what's Snoop Dogg? And I was like, menu Log." And it's, like, Uber Eats. And I'm like, bro, come on, Snoop. You don't got to do that. Because- like...
0: Like, b- because he used to have this reputation of actually being a West Coast gangster, Snoop Dogg has been gentrified, really. And how do I know that Snoop Dogg will do anything for money? Because he was on a fucking Insane Clown Posse song. Wow. He does not care. Yeah, I had no idea. Snoop Dogg requested that Insane Clown Posse pay him $40,000 in a briefcase, and Snoop Dogg appeared on the song, The Shaggy Show, he will do Anything for the right price. And the price, apparently, is $40,000 in cash in a briefcase. ICP basically bought credibility, but I'm guessing Snoop Dogg was on it because, you know, Jay-Z, yeah, I'll help him out. I just wasn't crazy about the song.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I mean, um, I don't mind it. It's really on this, like, pimp shit type of vibe um i thought memphis bleak had the best verse and when you're doing a song about like pimping and stuff like that i think snoop is a nice addition to have on there just because of his voice his um his history with it his love of the pimp culture and i'm pretty sure he tried his hand at at actual pimping at one point and he, he just stopped because uh it was uh detrimental to his marriage as you could believe. I
0: can't imagine why.
1: Yeah, right? There's a uh, an interview out there. He just, he sat down with his wife and he was like, listen, I've always, this is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a pimp. And this is what I'm going to try for a bit. And then can you,
0: um, I don't, I, how do you have that conversation? That's like sitting down with your wife and saying, baby. Look, one thing I've always wanted to do is have a threesome with women that aren't you. It's been my life's dream. It's been my goal. I've always wanted to do it since I was a little kid. You have to let me follow my dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, you know, he, he he did stop it for her. So, um, you know, he's, oh, uh, yeah. he's, good a, on he's a good husband in that That's way. That's
0: good, though, yeah. I actually made a mistake a little bit earlier when I was talking about radio stars and i said that was the worst song i'd heard for the podcast um it's actually my axe my axe is the worst song i've ever heard for the podcast
1: now this song i thought this was what i was going to be getting with the icp album like
0: this is this is the spirit this is the distilled essence of icp for you
1: exactly yeah because it's about lyrics about hurting people with some kind of uh, piercing weapon, you know, the use of circus music into mediocre hip-hop beats. Like, this is a, for me, this was, okay, this is ICP. This is um, um the atypical uh, insane clown posse song.
0: I mean, the lyrics, my axe is my buddy, you let that ditzy wave, me and my axe will fuck your mother on your grave. I mean...
2: Yeah, I think honestly, at this point, I had to take a break from the album because it was just—I so...
0: <laughs> I, I really
2: did. I it just came to a breaking point. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get to that later. That it just wasn't. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't
0: listen to it
2: um, from from the beginning to the end at all. I, I think, and I remember listening to the song. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good for the
0: day. ICP fans, I guess you would you would call them that. Um, But they're actually, they go by a different name known as Juggalos, and they have a whole culture, a subculture, called Juggalos. They have their own idioms, their own slang characteristics. They even have an annual festival called the Gathering of the Juggalos, which wildly actually gets good performers to play there, because it's almost like a, it is a weird... Willy Wonka carnival that they have going on. So, the Juggalos are a a different breed. On July 10th, 2017, Richard Newton, a Boston-area Juggalo, went to the Top 40 radio station KISS 108 to make a request for this song, My Axe, in person. He went with an axe in hand and other weapons, resulting in a three-hour police standoff that ended without injury, and the suspect was hospitalised for psychiatric evaluation. Now, I give respect to ICP for giving an outlet for misfits and oddballs and all that. I think the gathering of the Juggalos looks like a lot of fun, more power to them. But you're always going to get some people with actual issues that gravitate towards this music, right? Personally, I would have just played the damn song, get him off my property. But there is a very fine line with what you're singing about and actual people that take it seriously.
2: Yeah, I just think there's a lot of people that will take it super serious and like, oh yeah, that's great advice. We should definitely do this. Uh, let me go grab an act right now. Like, uh, no, that's, that's a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a big reason as to why ICP isn't taken very seriously. I mean, there are other hip hop groups that are blatantly silly, you know, I think about a group like uh, a South African group, D Antwood. You know, that comes to mind. And with D Antwood, D Antwood is silly, but they're still entertaining with what they got going on. Well, ICP, I feel like there's just too much cosplay involved to take them as serious as another legitimate hip hop group. And when I think about ICP, I. I I always liken them or compare them to a group like KISS, that rock band. I think also a lot of rock fans, and just music fans in general, will agree that the spectacle of ICP and KISS is always going, going to overshadow their music.
0: So that was the story of Richard Newton uh, with his police standoff. But speaking of committing crimes, R. Kelly appears on an unfortunately named song named Guilty Until Proven Innocent wow what a blast from the past this song was i'm just gonna get it out of the way straight away on july 12th 2019 federal prosecutors from new york and chicago indicted r kelly on 18 charges including child sexual exploitation child pornography production kidnapping forced labor racketeering and obstruction of justice now that we've gotten that out of the way what did you think of guilty until proven innocent which is one of the most ironic songs of all time
2: I don't think uh, Jay Z had any idea um, what type of person <laughs> R Kelly was. I think R Kelly had another agenda when he was uh, when he was like, "Oh yeah, that's a fantastic song. Let's de- let's definitely uh, make this happen." He winked to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I I did always like this song. I mean, like we said on uh, R Kelly's come up on this podcast before, and we tried to separate the artists from the music, but it, it is ironic to hear. It. R. Kelly on um, on the hook saying, I'm not guilty, you know, like repeatedly, I'm not guilty and and, and, and making that plea. Besides that, I like the way the, the song came out. I think Jay's flow is great because he actually just is able to sink into the beat. I mean, there is truth to what Jay is saying because I think he... Makes references to some of his legal troubles in the song.
0: These lyrics are dealing with how the press apparently villainized Jay Z after accusing him of stabbing his once business partner Lance Rivera. Um, and I say accusing, but Jay Z did plead guilty to stabbing him and got three years probation for it, so there was some truth in it. You know, you did stab the guy, so
2: yeah. Uh, volume three, uh, Jay Z's album, volume three, they actually talk about that a lot. There was, um, you know, a whole interview thing, so this is, I guess, this would be like. Part two, I guess it was just revisiting um, the whole court drama and everything like that, and this one was just going back towards it because the media hadn't dropped it
0: yet. Yeah, can't a guy stab someone in America without getting hounded for it? I mean, I thought we lived in a democracy. I thought this was America.
1: (laughs) To be fair, the guy was leaking his CD, so, you know. Oh, well, that makes (laughs) it okay. uh, Yeah, yeah, he had it coming then. Sorry, I
0: just want to make a retraction
1: there. Before,
0: I said... Um, My Axe was the worst song I'd ever heard for the podcast. No, If is the worst song I have ever heard on the podcast.
1: <laughs> I feel like the more we go through the ICP album, you're going to be like, no, you know what? That was the worst <laughs> I mean, song. No, any that song, was the worst song that
0: has the the, the the couplet, if I was a rock on the moon, I'd be chillin' like sup. If I was a butthole, I'd just be an exit. I mean, what? <sighs> song sucks man
1: yeah it's a ridiculous concept song it's just it's a it's, it goes back to that other song i think what was earlier where they just start off every stanza with the word previously it was what and now it's if so if i did this and if i did that but then they just get more ridiculous and ridiculous um as as they go on you, you definitely hit it on
2: the head when <laughs> i was definitely thrown off guard again when it came so ju- just the entire album when i was listening to each song i was just blown away by how crazy uh, the album was and how each song, I was just like, it, it can't get any crazier. But then again, it definitely gets crazier.
0: It gets it gets crazier. So uh, on the Dynasty, we so most tracks have Jay-Z on them or Beanie on them, but Memphis Bleak gets a solo track. He gets Holla to himself on this album, which is a big honor. And we, you mentioned it briefly earlier, Pedro, but this... Like obsession that Jay-Z has with Memphis Bleak, I don't understand it. So this is his like protege slash childhood friend. I remember on Diamonds from Sierra Leone, Jay-Z raps about it.
2: Oh yeah. He not even have to
0: So he's saying, like, it doesn't matter if your raps are terrible, I'll still financially support you. Which is an odd thing to say about another grown man. Like, you're not saying this about Beyonce, your spouse, or your kids or something. You're just saying about this, this dude, like, I'll take care of you. It's okay. It makes me think, does Memphis Bleak have some very incriminating evidence against Jay-Z that, like, justifies this treatment?
2: I, I don't know if he does or anything like that, but I, I just remember specifically on uh, Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, to where that's when I first heard Memphis Bleak, and they they were talking about, like, hey... Um they, they had like this this great flow together, just the, the two of them, the way they would sound. Kind of similar to what uh Jay-Z was able to do with Kanye West years later, whenever they were on tracks together. They just complete it was a perfect chemistry between the two rappers and everything like that. Unfortunately with Memphis Bleak, he he definitely fell off and he had he had some uh some albums to himself, but there, he would maybe have one or two good good tracks that would that would stand out. But overall he was never able to, you know get over the hump, basically, for the rest of America or just the world to, to start listening to them on a regular basis. But
0: that's the thing. I, I can understand, like, underground rappers, there are some underground rappers that I, I understand they're not commercially viable but they're still artistically great, like MF Doom is a great example, or Tech9, who's a very like very popular but just still in the underground. I don't see that with Memphis Bleek. I don't get the appeal. Like, what am I missing here? Is he really some superstar that just needs an opportunity? Because he's had more opportunities than most rappers will ever have. He's had a ton of
2: opportunities, but I really think with the other artists that they they come out with so much content for such a long period of time to where you know they're basically in the Hall of Fame of underground rappers where. You know, with Memphis Bleak, you only hear about him when he's associated with Jay Z. So he can never get out of Jay Z's shadow because that's basically the only time you ever see him.
1: Yeah, I think that's his his strongest, uh, uh, his strength and his weakness that he's aligned with Jay Z, but his weakness is that he's aligned with Jay Z. Like he's always going to be seen as Jay Z's buddy, you know, and it's that thing of, Anywhere you goes, someone might be, oh Memphis, where's Jay Z at? And it's just like, well, no, I'm here, you know. So I, I, I think that has a, a big thing with it. And it's ironic; the only person that rapping from the rock um, on this album is Jay Z. Everyone else has kind of uh, fallen off in their rap career. Just
0: Blaze still produces. And Kanye West, I, I think he got... He had a brief moment that he was popular, but I don't know what happened to him. Um, but you're right, in terms I mean, he's of... he's going to be president you know, next year, so... <laughs> in terms of featured artists, you're right. Uh, again, we, we, I want to wrap these things up, so we'll, we'll speed through them now. So, I mean, quite clearly, I think it's clear to anyone with ears that Let's Go All The Way is the worst song I've ever listened to for the podcast. For a group that were outright shitting on mainstream music just a couple songs ago, they seem to have no problem shitting out one of the most boring, generic rock song covers I've ever heard in my life as the lead single to this album. This song is so boring. I don't know why they chose to cover it and put it as the lead single. The story goes that Violent J of Insane Clown Posse was driving home to Detroit from Cleveland in a car he'd just purchased and it only had a cassette player. So at a gas station, he purchased an 80s hits tape that had this song by Sly Fox on it. And he liked it, so he decided to cover it. That is the that's the artistic genesis of this cover. This song sucks. It sucks real hard.
2: Yeah, definitely. You could see how you know the song wanted to separate itself. I, I, I guess to get out there and get some radio play and everything like that. I, I thought it was okay, uh, but then again, all the ICP songs I thought were um, trash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was a solid three out of ten. <laughs> um, and then it finishes with uh, Crystal Ball. We must be in the year 2000 because we got a hidden CD track. Uh, and boy, am I glad I waited through eight minutes of dead air to hear this one.
1: Yeah, I was not expecting that it's either. It's just
0: <laughs> them talking, like sort of freestyling. And he's like, oh, I see pillows. Da, 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 da. He likes dildos in his butt. Uh, like, ugh. I did a rap earlier where I was just saying our names earlier in the episode. That is better than what they're doing here. It is bad.
2: Yeah, I really don't think that you could you know, or anybody could have these types of raps at any point right, right now, just with s- songs like this and just be able to get as successful as they got, which was su- surprising to me. I guess, uh, you know, props in the, in the aspect of them being able to be so different that they were able to get so many fans just because they're so, I guess, dark and twisted.
0: Dark and twisted, I don't think they are though, because they're really corny. Like, I don't think there are serial killers at home listening to ICP. Like, to my knowledge of serial killers, they're listening to like classical music or they're listening to like the Spice Girls or something creepy. They're not listening to ICP. This is the last music that any functioning serial killer listens to.
1: Yeah, I think, like I said, like we were saying before, I think it's all about shock value. Maybe there's something in the water in Michigan that makes people just go crazy and have these homicidal thoughts and then be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be a musician as well. I, Like I said at the top of the episode, I never understood the appeal of ICP. And um, I'm not joining the Juggalo crew anytime soon, to my knowledge. I was going
0: to take it to the breakdown, but there's still quite a few songs left on the Dynasty. Are there any standout tracks towards the tail end of the Dynasty that that you'd love to talk about, Carlos, or that have a special place in your heart?
2: Um, I I like Streets is Talking, because uh, that's just one of them to where he's just talking, and one of the the better-flowing tracks on the album, I just really, really am attracted to the song. There is a part to where he's like... <clears throat> you know i he he does like the, this cough on there and it's like okay he's thinking but he's talking at the same time i was like i never heard any rapper you know do that before to where they're kind of cl- clearing their throat and stuff like that i just thought that was just unique in itself I, I know that might sound cheesy and everything but i i just thought of him rapping on the fly basically and you know he's thinking and rapping and, and it's just so smooth because he's such a natural at it
1: yeah definitely but that's always been a testament of jay-z if anyone's seen that documentary uh Uh, fade to black uh, details of how he goes and writes a song he'll just listen to the beat and then basically go in there and just kind of spit it off the top of his head he'll write the song in his head and then do it off memory and um, i think that's what makes him very unique because he really customizes uh each song to the beat and at the moment whereas you know other people might write a song let it sit for a month and then come back to it the the shelf life has kind of uh aspired Yeah, I
2: I totally agree. He's very intentional with the beats that he picks because he already has the flow already developed in his mind. You know, so over time you see him uh, working with just Blaze and then he'll have Kanye West. But a lot of times he'll have uh, Timberland. He'll ask Timberland to make him a beat and stuff like that, though, too. So he has his favorite uh, music producers and everything like that to to create, fully develop the thoughts and raps that he has in his head to just to to get out there
0: on. Did you have anything else, Pedro, for any other tracks?
1: Yeah, just really quickly. uh, I would say I wanted to talk about 1900 Hustler because, I mean, I think this is a crew album, compilation album, and I think this is a standout of the tracks because everyone has their time to shine, but also introduces Freeway, who goes on to be uh, a very popular Rockefeller artist. But I just thought it was dope how they did an homage to a 1991 track called 1-900-Dial-A-Crook that was released by a rap group called The Convicts. They were massive in Texas. They were on Rap-A-Lot Records. If you listen to that track, you definitely, you definitely see where they got the references and the inspiration from.
0: one 900 crook Your mic may make this shit down today. Find the car in the cold, last area where you can walk by and motherfuckers won't be scared of you because if they're scared
2: of you, they might get
1: For me, I always thought this was a, one of the standout tracks on the album, and as far as everything else, I mean, the album it's good jay-z outshines everyone it's not a perfect album it's not the best jay-z album but um i think it is a great appetizer because the year after this album comes out then the blueprint comes out which i consider jay-z's best album
0: let's take it to the breakdown here Carlos, it falls to you to solve the mystery of these two albums. The Dynasty and Bizarre both came out October 31st, 2000. One of them went two times platinum and one of them barely scraped by to win the bet and sold 400,000 copies. Why was one of these albums successful and why was one of these albums not successful?
2: I think the Jay Z album was definitely the uh, hands down successful one, not only because of the sales, just but just because of the uh, the amount of music that Jay Z and quality music, at least in my opinion, that Jay Z was able to produce before this album had even come out. Also, because this is the official introduction of all the all of the entire crew of uh, Rockefeller Records and everything. Now, Insane Clown Posse, yeah, um, with those with those guys, they're they're definitely definitely think a whole lot different than uh, than most people. I can I can definitely see how there is some sort of quirky or, or entertainment factor, but it's definitely not for me.
1: I agree with Carlos, man. I mean, with ICP, I think they have such a niche fan base that their fan base is hardcore. They're definitely going to go out buy the album. With this particular one, maybe because they tried to be a little more successful, they might have changed up the style. Obviously, they have a cover song on there. That might not have clicked so well with their fan base, but I just don't see ICP ever really blowing up like that. Uh, I'm sorry to any juggalos listening or juggalettes listening. I just don't see them ever being really respected or legitimate hip hop artists. And in regards to Jay-Z, Jay-Z goes double platinum. It's a brand. Jay-Z is that brand. So he was able to put his name on this album in hopes to introduce his crew, but People most likely went out to buy this album because they wanted to hear what Jay-Z had to say, his new rhymes, and he's the big draw. So I, I think that's a I think that's a massive reason as to why this album was successful.
0: Yeah, for all of the above, look, ICP, as much as they tried with this album to get mainstream appeal, they petitioned MTV, they even stormed Total Request Live with like 400 fans in New York. They are, by very nature of who they are, niche. They are a niche product For a niche fanbase and that fanbase loves them and they're going to die for them and they're going to donate kidneys if they need them but it's always going to be niche whereas jay-z on his ascent to superstardom despite the fact he has all these people clinging to him almost holding him back i would say um he's sort of doing a bit of a charity album and he's really trying to boost his friends he doesn't need them though jay-z could have carried this album by himself with one or two features no problem. Um, this was a charity album for him, I felt. Carlos, we always like to choose one song from each album to let people know what to listen to, to get a feel for each album. What are your two songs you're going to select?
2: For the Jay-Z album, I like to go with uh, Streets Is Talking. I, I just definitely love the love of the flow. If I only could pick one song, I just have to go with Streets Is Talking. Now with uh, the Bizarre album, I would have to go with probably Radio Stars, even though that was... Not a a great song. The reason why I somewhat like that song more than the other tracks on the Bizarre album, just because it was trying to make fun of the other um, successful artists out at the time, kind of went into, you know, trying to make do its best um, to make fun of Little John and everything like that, just by saying one or two words during his tracks. But he was a whole lot more successful than ICP ever was.
1: Yeah, with uh, Dynasty, I'm going to say 1900 Hustler, just because it has the whole crew on there. Um, I think everyone holds their own. The introduction of Freeway is on there as well. Even on the the talking parts, they have um, the Young Gunners on there who had some mild success. And I do appreciate the homage to the Convict song. As far as ICP, listen, don't listen to this fucking album. Like if you don't have to, (laughs) I would say my axe just because like I was saying before, I think it's indicative of what the ICP sound is is supposed to be it's on that track it's them talking about cutting up people murdering women and guys and sticking things up their butts and then they're using circus sounds on the beat so i think that is the perfect icp song for me
0: i think it has to be this can't be life i know it's maybe too popular to select for this sort of thing but You get the first Kanye beat with Jay-Z teaming up. You get this awesome Scarface verse. It's such a great song. Favourite song on the album. For ICP, oh boy. You know what? Let's go with Bizarre, the kickoff track, because it gives you a flavour of everything that they are. It has all these weird sound effects. It has this weird carnival music bizarre title track, that is what you get with ICP. Carlos, thanks so much for coming on the show. Before we wrap up, you had something you you wanted to to talk about a little bit?
2: No, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Um, But yeah, I would love to uh, talk about something that I was a part of just recently. Uh, There's a program called 22Kill, and um, I was first introduced to the program from a friend back in 2014, and I was just really curious about it. On his index finger... He had a ring on there and I was like, Oh no, I, I, you know, I've never seen any, not very many people have a ring on their index finger. It said 22 kill on there. I was like, what does that even mean? And he said, well, they did a study and the veterans in in the United States on average, there was 22 veterans that killed themselves per day. So I thought that was really alarming. And just to raise awareness for um, that actually happening, they would do, you know, videos and you know, do 22 push-ups to, you know, get the attention of all the folks, um, I guess, around the world that could possibly be contemplating this, just to let them know they would do 22 push-ups and se- send a video, and then underneath the video they would have an excerpt saying, "Hey, you're not alone. Here's hotlines, here's uh, websites, here's other helpful information, so you don't uh, go down this route, so you don't choose this route." So mental health is extremely important uh topic just in general for for myself i I just love that i just think it's a very important topic to uh to not have go by the wayside in any way and the veterans they they were definitely that just that number 22 people per day that was just extremely alarming to me so just recently i was actually tagged on the 22 kill campaign to uh to post videos and of course you know once a day you know i'm posting a different video and i'm nominating the next person it's almost you know, you're like the ice bucket challenge years ago to where, you know, you have the ice bucket going, but there's really no cause for that. This is a, there's a real helpful cause for this information. It's got the telephone number. There's an official website, www.22kill.com and get you all kinds of helpful information um, for you or someone that may be experiencing uh, these hardships or what have you. And even if you're not a veteran, I know these professionals can point you in the right direction. I know they'll be able to give you the help that you may need.
0: Really, really great cause. You can check them out, 22kill.com, and they have lots of great uh, programs that look uh, really great. Not only the counseling, but they have stuff like workshops and uh, non-traditional therapies, so it's really great cause. Thanks so much for coming on, Carlos, and uh, we'll have you on again sometime. Can't wait for a, maybe some more Jay-Z uh we'll be back next week pedro anything else
1: hey man it's always a pleasure man you know carlos you're my bro from back in the day and you always will be so if you never need anything let me know yeah to anyone listening thanks for listening subscribe download the podcast tell your friends tell your mama i mean it's quarantine you guys aren't doing anything so we'll catch you guys next week peace